Phone calls are commonplace in our society, with over a billion calls a day, and some reports suggest as many as 1.3 million calls every minute. But in 1967, far fewer calls were made and received, naturally. So when the four phone lines at the lawyer's office of Sigmund Adam would ring hour after hour, it was an extremely odd occurrence. As secretaries did their best to answer the calls as they came in, when they picked up, they would only be met with silence. Additionally, outgoing calls would be made to the Talking Clock phone line, a service that provides the exact time. There would be six calls a minute made to the time clock, a feat that even the phone company proved would be impossible with rotary phones of the time. Even when technicians were monitoring the situation and could verify no workers in the office were on the phone, the outgoing calls persisted. Little did they know that these phone calls would just be the beginning of the bizarre events that would bring media attention to the small town of Rosenheim, Germany. I'm Rob Gavigan, and I'll be your guide through the strange and the mysterious. So turn off the lights, get comfortable, and follow my Facebook page for more, because I've got a lot more in store for you. In the autumn of 1967, Sigmund Adam would call the phone company to have them look into their mysterious caller. Unfortunately, the phone company was unable to find anything wrong with the phone lines, nor could they figure out who was calling. Shortly after this, the problems at the office seemed to increase. Lights in the office would flicker on and off at varying intervals and swing in their fixtures. Light bulbs would visibly rotate in their sockets. When maintenance workers attempted to solve the issue and replace the bulbs with lower voltage ones, the bulbs would do what any bulbs would do. They exploded. When the local power company came to investigate, they noticed there were inexplicable surges in the current. Assuming the problem to be with faulty power lines, they attempted to run a cable directly from the generator to the office, and yet the lights continued to flicker and explode. Electricians from the German Power Board installed voltmeters in the office and found the sudden surges in current were enough to blow the fuses, and yet none of the fuses were damaged. Word of the strange events eventually got out, and a reporter came to the office. Upon leaving, a bulb unscrewed itself and nearly hit the journalist in the head. Dumbfounded, he left with no other explanations. It was at this point Sigmund Adam would turn to less conventional means for an explanation. Hans Bender was a renowned parapsychologist known for establishing IGPP, an institute devoted to the research of unexplained phenomena and anomalies at the limits of our knowledge. These include altered states of consciousness, extraordinary human experiences, psychophysical relationships, and so on. Bender heard of the mysterious happenings and came to investigate the phenomenon. While in the office, Bender was able to obtain video evidence of the supernatural events. In addition to the possessed lights, the officer copier would mysteriously begin to leak fluid. Calendar pages would be ripped from the wall and paintings would fly across the room. Most shocking was when a 400-pound cabinet was seen sliding several feet across the floor. 
and yet when examined, the linoleum flooring beneath the cabinet had not been damaged. Unspecified tests were made by physicist Friedbert Karger and Gerhard Zika, who reported that, quote, some unknown form of energy is at work. Poltergeist hauntings differ from a more conventional normal haunting in that they are far more active and violent. Objects being thrown, strange knocking, electrical interference, typically always malevolent in nature, are all hallmarks of a poltergeist. Also present in many poltergeist hauntings is a teenager, often female. When it was noticed that the paranormal events only seemed to occur when a recently hired secretary named Anne-Marie Shabrell came into the office, Bender focused on the 19-year-old as being the root of the occurrences. Anne-Marie had been hired in early 1967 as an administrative clerk for the office of Sigmund Adam. She had been raised in the country with a strict disciplinarian of a father. In addition to having recently recovered from an illness, not long before her employment began, her then fiancé broke off their engagement during a bowling game. It's believed Anne-Marie had caused the scoreboard to malfunction. The beautiful young woman was clearly unhappy in life and her job, and was often stressed and anxious. Upon interviewing Anne-Marie, Bender was able to find out that she deeply disliked both her job and her colleagues. As well, all the phantom calls to the talking clock were occurring when Anne-Marie was thinking about how much time was left before she could go home. Bender was able to discover that while Anne-Marie herself had no interest in the paranormal, members of her family were interested in spiritualism. In fact, her aunt was a well-known clairvoyant in Dusseldorf. In parapsychology, recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, also known as RSPK, is when an individual unknowingly and unwittingly uses telekinesis when they are feeling intense emotions. The energy of their emotions can react violently to the environment around them, causing a poltergeist-like phenomenon. Bender reached out to Anne-Marie's aunt for advice. Her aunt advised that she could feel, quote, some sort of extreme threatening presence, and that Anne-Marie required, quote, spiritual strength and guidance. On the recommendation of her aunt, a local priest performed a rite of exorcism in the law offices. During the service, four light bulbs burst over the heads of those in attendance. By January 1968, the activity had become so great that Sigmund Adam was left with no choice but to fire Anne-Marie Shaverell. Once she left, the activity at the office ceased completely. Allegedly, the activity began again in Anne-Marie's new office, but ceased altogether when she got married. Perhaps now happy in life, she was free from the supernatural occurrences that had surrounded her. The Rosenheim poltergeist quickly became famous and was cited all over the world as one of the most reliable cases of a poltergeist or telekinetic phenomenon. It had been witnessed by those working in the office, professional technicians, researchers, journalists, and police alike. 
An overwhelming majority of unbiased researchers who studied it had to admit that no rational or physical explanation could be found. That being said, hardcore paranormal deniers attempted to debunk the event. In the years following the incident, a story in a German weekly newspaper, Die Zeit, reported that co-authors Albin Neumann, Herbert Schiff, and Gert Gunther Kramer suggested in their book, False Spirits, Real Swindlers, that the claims of disturbances initially made by Adam were fraudulent. They claimed to have visited the offices and discovered nylon threads attached to the office fixtures, such as overhead lights and wall plates that, when pulled, would cause the fixtures to move. It's worth noting there is no record of the men having actually visited the office. Sigmund Adam filed a legal injunction to stop the publication of the book, however, the request was not granted. Journalist Pete Hine Hobins criticized Bender's investigation, saying that, quote, No full report of the investigations has ever been published, so we are in no position to check to what extent the parapsychologists have been successful in excluding naturalistic explanations. He went on to say, quote, Bender omits from his account the highly significant fact that Anne Marie was caught in fraud by a policeman. Neither does he mention the inconclusive but curious discoveries reported by Avini's magician after a visit to the Rosenheim office during the poltergeist outbreak." Unquote. In truth, Sigmund Adam had requested Bender not publish a report or his footage. Adam and all his colleagues made no attempt to make money as charlatans who would cheat the gullible. In fact, the small law office had nothing to gain and everything to lose by disclosing the events. They ran a serious practice, and nobody would be interested in availing their services or working in a place where light bulbs explode, telephones and photocopiers don't work, and objects fly off of walls. As well, the damage and repairs generated huge costs and hazardous situations. The debate still remains on whether the event was a hoax, a natural anomaly, or supernatural in nature. Regardless, no concrete cause of the Rosenheim poltergeist has ever been discovered. The Rosenheim poltergeist is one of many famous cases, like the Enfield Haunting or the Bell Witch, where the most widely believed source is that of the quote, naughty little girl theory, as coined by psychic researcher Frank Podmore. The belief is that adolescents, especially young girls, are prone to causing the disturbances whether through trickery or through recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis. It is true electromagnetic waves exist. Every day they're used in the function of devices from televisions to cell phones. While strange and unusual now, who is to say that a century from now we won't have unequivocally proven the existence of talents like RSPK. Until that time comes, the Rosenheim poltergeist will be known as a classic mystery and one of the most well-documented and unforgettable cases of possible paranormal activity. And remember, you may not believe it, but anything is possible in a world so seriously strange. 
If you like dark and mysterious content like this, be sure to become a follower of my Facebook page now, because I've got plenty more in store for you. Watch the shadows and stay alive out there, and I'll see you next time. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way because we can't do this without our listeners support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.